All right. Today's story is about multi-level marketing companies, okay? And my experience with one in particular. Now, this story is from way back in, I think around 2009, like September-ish 2009. Now, at this time, I was an over-the-road truck driver. Not like I do now. Like now, I'm home every night. I see my wife and kids every day. It's like a normal job. Okay, I just work evenings. But back then, I was an over-the-road driver, meaning I would be gone for like 25 to 27 days out of every month. And I would take like one weekend off, one three-day weekend off, right? And this was life. And back then, I had just gotten married to my first wife, my now ex-wife for more than eight years. Um... We got married in July, and so this was, like I said, a couple months after we had first gotten married. And she was working at a department store at the time, and like I said, I would come home once a month for a few days. And, um, so, (laughs) she calls me one day. Right, and we we talked every day, but she 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 calls me up specifically to tell me about something one day. She says, uh, "So I was at work and I was working the checkout, and this middle-aged gentleman came to my register and was checking out. And as I was talking to him, he was he was like, "Wow, you seem like you're really a people person. You've got some spunk." Right. And, um, and so this is like, just really inflating her ego. And she's like, Oh yeah, I mean, I've been in customer service for a while, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so he, he gets her talking in this way and, uh, they go back and forth and he goes, uh, I'll tell you what, here's my business card. I work for this little company. Um, and we're looking for, you know, enthusiastic sales associates. And there's a lot of room for growth here. Um, a lot of money to be made. And so, um, She's telling me about this over the phone, and you know, I'm obviously I'm skeptical, and uh, I'm like, okay. Um, so she's like, well, I'm supposed to go to this meeting to see what the company's all about, and I'm like, okay. Uh, well, you know, let me know how it goes. She goes to this meeting, and she comes back, and she's just like, her head is massive after coming back from this meeting, right? She's so excited, right? And she she begins to tell me like what this company does and how basically she already has a job. She already has a job. No, no real application, no real interview. Um, she just goes to a meeting. A, a guy shows up at, at the store she works at, says, Hey, do you want a job? Um, I think you'd be good at it. And she shows up and she's got the job. Okay. So <laughs> she, she goes to this meeting and she comes back and she, she proceeds to tell me what it is. And She, she tells me that this particular company, what they do is they, they sell insurance policies and financial management to help families and help people um, do better with their money, you know, um, and, and uh, achieve financial success, right? And at the same time, they also sell insurance policies. Um, so, uh, but 
she tells me that the entire company is run on tiers, right? Um, there, there's like levels to it. And um, she tells me how along with selling these financial planning packages and, and insurance policies, that she's supposed to recruit more people to work for this company that will then work under her. And I'm like, oh, so that's what the guy was doing at the store. Okay, anyway. Um, and then she'll get a percentage of all the sales that that person makes, right? And I, I'm like, so does that mean that the people above you get a percentage of what you make because, you know, they came and found you? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, well, how far does this go up? You know, is the guy at the top making billions of dollars? You know, how's, how's this work? Um, so I'm very skeptical, very skeptical going in. And I've always been this way with stuff. It's like, I treat everything like it's a used car salesman, right? I'm like, mm, it sounds a little too good, right? A little too good to be true. Usually things that sound too good be, to be true are. So, um, I start kind of researching this company, right? And I'm looking it up and I'm looking up like, what is a pyramid scheme? Because if you don't know, this time, around 2009, this was just after Bernie Madoff was arrested for his giant Ponzi scheme, pyramid scheme, where he conned people out of millions and millions of dollars, like out of their life savings, right? And so this tiered company, it, it, it had me automatically thinking like pyramid scheme, right? Which I didn't know really the details of like, the, the, the pyramid scheme, the Ponzi scheme, but, you know, it sounded similar. And, uh, so I was worried. I'm like, what is my wife getting sucked into? And, um, uh, so, so I looked up pyramid schemes and I looked up, uh, and what's funny is I looked up the name of this company first and foremost, right? And like, you know how, when you look up something on Google, it gives you a bunch of related questions that other people are asking about whatever it is you're Googling. Well, the, the top questions were like, is this company a pyramid scheme? And what is a pyramid scheme? And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Here we go. It's what I feared, right? Okay, so the answers I got from Google, basically every article I read about it, was um, that this company was not technically a pyramid scheme. It is called a multi-level marketing company. Um, and there are a lot of these companies. And it's run very, like, in a very similar way. Um, like, everything I, I looked up about multi-level marketing, it sounded extremely suspect. Like, most of it was warnings about false promises. And, and of course, you know, I, I tell my wife this, uh, and... She's very defensive, right? Because these people have her convinced. It's like the greatest thing ever. And she's going to be rich. And so I'm like, all right, all right, look, I'll, I'll, we'll try it out. You know, try it out. And, oh, 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 get this. Get this. She had to pay a recurring fee to be a part of this company. Like, that was the first thing that set me off. And I was like, uh, this doesn't sound right. Um... So I said, okay, if you can pay that fee out of the wages you make from, you know, your current job, and, you know, they don't ask for any more money from us, then let's try it out. We'll see how it goes, right? Try it for a little while. And so she does. And for probably the next 
month or so, she was, according to her, doing well. She was selling a lot of policies and uh, she was going to all these meetings and setting up client meetings and like really selling shit, right? But but it seemed like we barely made enough money from it to like cover the monthly fee. Like there wasn't any money at the end of the month from it. So, you know, it's just weird. It was weird, right? I'm like, what are we doing here? Um, so then came the time when I was home for a visit, right, from the road. I was home for a weekend and she asked me to come to a meeting with her because she knew I was suspicious of it and like she wanted to see, she wanted me to see that it was legit, you know, and I, I, I think she had probably told the people there, like my husband is suspicious of this and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, well, bring him to a meeting. We'll show him how great it is. Right. Um, so she convinced me to, to, to go to a meeting and, and I went to this meeting. So I got to see behind the scenes of these companies. All right. So don't just take this as like, oh, I'm making this judgment from what happened with my ex-wife. No, I actually went and I met these people and I saw like how they market and how they do their thing. Okay, so um, I'll tell you what. It was awesome. Like this meeting was, it was like really uplifting, really inspiring. It was like upside after upside and I was the only one there asking critical questions. Like it, it almost made me seem like the Debbie Downer, right? And um, so it was weird. It was weird. But everything there was like positive, positive, positive. Um, they were crazy hype. Like it was weird, okay? Everyone there was on board with this, right? And all together, like it was like a cult. It, it was crazy. They were they're all hyped about selling and making money. They had, they, they had all this, like, I don't know, but everyone gave each other high fives, okay? <laughs> like, constantly. Like, that was the first thing that happened when I walked in. They didn't shake my hand. They gave me a high five. It was like, hey, what's up? They were all excited, right? Smiling and, like, pumped up. And it was like this pregame sales meeting. You know, it's like... You know, it was like a rallying the troops, right? It was like a like a like a, a locker room meeting before a big game, right? So they had this little presentation for the group, and I was the only new person in the room. Everyone else was part of the crew, so they had this little presentation, and then they did like a like a Skype video call with a guy that was in the company who had supposedly started off just like them. And was now insanely successful. Like, he lived in a mansion, and he drove supercars. Like, filthy rich, right? And um, he's telling them, like, how if they put in the work, you know, it's going to pay off, and, and they're going to be super rich like him someday, right? And then, after this meeting, sometime, like, about a week or two later, they invited me back. And it was a trap. It was a trap, man. Like, and... and they wanted to talk to me and my wife, and, and I think my wife knew what was up. Like, that's that's what's kind of fucked up about this story. There, there's plenty of reasons, and you'll hear by the end of this story, why she's my ex-wife. Um, but uh, they, they brought us in, they sat us down, and they tried to sell us life insurance. That was one of the things they sold, right? And it's weird. Like, I was like, I was critical of it, 
and, and I could see what was going on, but something like, I don't know, I felt pressured to do it for some reason. Like this would have counted as a sale for my wife. And so I was trying to like help her out with her thing. And like at the same time, I'm like pressured. It's like all these people are all gung ho and pumped in. Like, I don't know. I agreed to it. I agreed to buying this fucking life insurance policy. Like, uh, so, okay. So I did it. And I don't know. It, it didn't take long. Like I, I quickly regretted it and I came to my senses once I was away from it, you know, and I wanted out. And I think like the next month when it came time to pay the premium, I was like, you know what? I, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't, I want out of this. And, and by that time, my wife had kind of soured on this company as well. Cause I, she wasn't making any money from it. Like we were spending money on it. And, um, like, I feel like an idiot now telling it, but it's like, Whatever. It's a cautionary tale, so hopefully some people learn from this. And luckily I didn't get in too deep. Um, but so... I, I tell him I want out. I go and I meet with him. like, look, dude, I want out of this. How do I get out of it? Um, my wife wants out of it. We, we want nothing to do with this company anymore. We just, we just want to cut ties. Can we do that? Can we... You know, I, I was pretty demanding about it in the end because they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah... It's like through time, I've realized now what a bullet I dodged by not investing any deeper into this multi-level marketing bullshit. Because I've run into quite a few companies like this throughout my life, and it's it's pretty obvious right away when you meet a salesperson that is a part of one of these multi-level marketing companies. Like, have you ever have you ever met anyone that that sells Advocare? supplements, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like Advocare is a multi-level marketing company and they employ the same type of tactics and strategies. Um, j just like that company that my wife worked for. Now, <laughs> let me go back and tell you some more craziness. So I found out later that my wife at the time had been sleeping with one of the other guys in this multi-level marketing company. And she, she like had this dude at my house and like spending all kinds of time with him. Right. Like while I was on the road and get this, like he was at that fucking meeting that I went to the motherfucker gave me a goddamn high five. Okay. He was one of the high fivers. Um, but what's crazy is not like I realized this is what freaks me out a little bit, okay? Because I didn't realize this until I was collecting my thoughts to uh, to put together this little video slash podcast. That was like she was messing around with this guy uh, around the same time when she was pressuring me to buy life insurance. Like, what the fuck? Like, this bitch is, what is this, what is she going to do? Was she planning to off me and run away with this dude? I don't know. But, like I said, that's the bullet that I dodged. Because that's insane. I'm a little freaked out about it, like, now talking about it. Because, like I said, I never put those things together. It, it all seemed like, I don't know. It, it seemed disconnected at the time, but then it's like now later thinking back about it, like, holy shit, like you're really, you're trying to get me to purchase a big life insurance policy 
when... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Um, but, anyway. One of the many reasons why... Like, this is not the first or last time uh, we had infidelity problems. So, the, you can see why she's now my ex-wife for a long time now. Anyway, I, I just thought that was a wild twist on the story. And I figured I would share it because it's fucking insane. And I thought you might enjoy it. So that is my little cautionary tale, I guess, for anyone like about multi-level marketing and how, in my opinion, you should avoid it at all costs. If anyone approaches you, and, and don't think I'm just sour on this because my wife was screwing around with her guy. Like, the whole time that we were going through this, I was like, eh, this is suspect, right? If anyone approaches you with a bigger-than-life chance to, like, make all your dreams come true in sales, do yourself a favor, turn around and walk away immediately. I promise you will thank me. All right. If you enjoyed this little story or found it useful or know someone that might be falling victim to the beast that is multi-level marketing, please share it with them. Um, if you enjoy videos or podcasts like this, listen, here's what I do on this channel and on my podcast. Each day I try to pick a random topic, right? Um, something that, that I feel is relevant or interesting and give my two cents. It's usually entertainment or pop culture. Sometimes it's movie or TV reviews. And sometimes it's it's personal stories like this. But I try to bring something new every day. Like, I'm not perfect, but most days I put something out. Uh, if that's something that interests you, then, you know, if that's something you can vibe with, then please subscribe to the YouTube channel or favorite or follow the podcast. And if you decide to, if you decide to stick around and favor to follow or subscribe to the YouTube channel, then I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks. I will tell you right off the bat that reviewing this film presented a serious challenge for me. And honestly, it's one of the main reasons I decided to pursue it. I was a little afraid of it because it's a difficult film to break down. But I think it's important that if we want to get better at something, it's important to stretch our abilities and, and like you know, do difficult things. So uh, the, the reason that I say that for me it's a difficult movie to review is because it's not your typical film. It doesn't have an obvious plot. I mean, it's sequential, but it doesn't really seem to have a clear beginning, middle, and end. It was definitely an artistic venture, which I find enjoyable most of the time, but I have a hard time describing why and breaking these more artistic films down. Like, it's not clear cut. It's not some action film or thriller or romantic comedy even with a clear and obvious narrative or plot. But I'm here now, 
and I'm going to do my best to tell you what I thought of it and, and why. So, first off, this is a low-budget film, uh, $3.5 million. And it, it's damn near three hours long. So I'll just read you the, uh, the synopsis here. Um, it's directed by Andrea Arnold. Star, Sasha Lane, an adolescent girl from a troubled home, runs away with a traveling sales crew that drives across the American Midwest selling subscriptions door-to-door. Finding her feet in this gang of teenagers, one of whom is Jake, Shia LaBeouf, she soon gets into the group's lifestyle of hard-partying nights, law-bending days, and young love. Alright, so, it's a coming-of-age story. It's a story of disaffected youths. You know, kids who fell through the cracks in various parts of the country and who are now in their early 20s, maybe, and and just trying to figure shit out. And it's a movie that it features heavily Shia LaBeouf. And that last fact had me all in from the word go, because so far, I have not been let down by a single Shia LaBeouf film. He seems to pick interesting projects, and and so it's kind of a litmus test for me. If Shia has anything to do with it, it's probably worth a watch. But much, much like Nymphomaniac by Lars von Trier, which I enjoyed very much, this featured Shia LaBeouf, but wasn't really about Shia LaBeouf's character. It had a female lead, Sasha Lane, and I think she nailed it. I've never heard of this actress before, and after looking it up, this was her first film. Like, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen her or anything. Like, and I don't know if she's been in anything since, to be honest. But I thought she was extremely believable in this role as star. And that's one of the things that really stood out to me in this film, right? Right off the get. Like, the realism in this film was damn near perfect. Just just the way the characters interact. It, it felt extremely realistic. Um, so it starts off, you know, with, with Star, and it shows her, her home life. And it ain't so great. And at first, uh, she has these kids tagging along with her, right? And... I think at the beginning of the film that they're her kids, like she's a very young mother, but no, they ended up being like, she's, she's taking care of these kids. She's raising these kids, but they're they not her kids. Um, they, they may be her, her little brothers or sisters. They may be her nieces or nephews. It's not a hundred percent clear, but so when she's thinking about escaping, you know, the, uh, the, the life that she has, um, you know, I was thinking like, holy shit, she's going to leave these kids behind? And like, you know, they explain that. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, go on, girl, go. <laughs> so, um, you know, she, she she gets in with this this group of uh, people and they're, they're selling magazines, magazines. And I'm pretty sure this was set in the time that it was made. This is a 2016 film. And um, they they made it very clear that no one was buying magazine subscriptions. Like, it, it was an extremely tough racket. 
Um, but like I said, the realism in this was, was what made the film, in my opinion. Like, this is how large groups of people interact. And there was probably like 20 people in this movie, right? All crammed into a one of those big like 15 passenger vans and like an additional car. Um, but it was, it was just super real. It was like, I've been in plenty of large groups like this and like, this is really how they interact. You know, they, they talk over each other. There's many conversations going on at once, overlapping conversations, people jumping into others, you know, seemingly private moments. And then, you know, you've got some people being serious while others are cracking jokes all happening at the same time. And, you know, then a familiar song comes on and almost everyone joins in the singing, right? Uh, it was one of those moments with, with the entire group in the van that really sucked me in and made me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this story. I'm all in. I felt like I was part of this little, you know, band of misfits. It was crazy. It, it felt like I was there because it felt so realistic. Um, I felt like I had known these people, or at least very similar people to these in my own life, right? At some point in my life, it, it just felt very familiar, okay? that it, That's why I'm saying it seems ultra-realistic. Okay, so Star meets Jake, and Jake is like the all-star salesman, right? But remember, these are all misfits. These are all kids, you know, who, who probably had terrible home lives and were, were trying to escape it by any means necessary. And they saw this as a way out. Traveling across the country in, in a van with a bunch of other disaffected youths, right? Um, so remember, he's kind of a fucked up dude. But at first, he's very likable, right? He's very charismatic. What you would think would make a good salesman, right? And so at first, you're like, this guy's pretty cool, you know? Like, you see him through her eyes. Like, she's enamored, right? She's uh, falls for him very quickly. And uh, if you've ever known two damaged people in a relationship together, this felt like that. Like, the relationship between the two, basically, I, I, you would probably call them the main characters of the film, it felt legitimate. You have these two very damaged people from troubled pasts, you know, one, one that has extreme commitment issues and insecurities, but wanting deeply to have a connection, and the, and the other who's very dependent, you know, like a codependent, uh, very dependent on the other one, and, and, and that's her, you know, the female character has, has this very, like, she's dependent on, on his every uh, whim, right? Um, she seemed to hang on every word and action that came from him. Now, something that, that also made this film, film feel so, like, realistic, right, was the portrayals of feelings, right, the, the portrayals of jealousy and spite, vindictiveness, um, you know, real hurt and genuine affection were all spot on in this film. Like, incredible job by a novice actress and, in my opinion, one of the most underrated actors of our time. So another thing that made this film like feel real was that I didn't particularly love any of the characters, right? 
And not to say I didn't love the characters as they were written. They were very well written, okay? Um, but as characters, they were all extremely flawed. Like, it'd be hard to characterize any of them. Maybe the main character, right? Uh, but you definitely couldn't characterize most of these people as as uh, necessarily likable or, or great people. They were just real human beings. You know, young and inexperienced ones that acted as such. I mean, they played the role perfectly. All of them. Even though it wasn't your typical ending, right? Your typical resolution to a story. I loved the way this film ended. I loved that in the end, it wasn't about the relationship that she had been chasing throughout the whole film. You know, it was about finding herself. And I love that. I like, like, that in the end, she seemed content. And, and everything, like, with, with everything that had happened, with everything that was happening, you know, she was okay with the fact that the relationship wasn't her saving grace. It was like she realized for herself that it wasn't about him, and that the whole time it, it had been about her and her journey. I just thought ending it like that, it made it really like a story of self-discovery, right? And of figuring out where you fit in the world. She was happy to have found this group of misfits and it was all about them, you know? And it seemed like she had lost the focus on her romantic interest that she had been obsessed with throughout the whole movie. You know, all of her emotions tied to it. And now she had just become content and even happy with where she was at the moment. I loved it because this is how life really is. Most of your relationships when you're young, especially, you know, those unhealthy, um, inexperienced relationships, they don't pan out. And, you know, they, they tell you a little bit about who you are, but they don't define you. And it becomes just something that you went through, something that you'll always remember, but it has little to do with who you are. Anyway, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic film. And I thought everyone in it was great. I thought Shia was awesome, as usual. But everyone else was fantastic as well. The real star, though, was Star. Right? The real star was Sasha Lane. It being her first movie, like, she was ridiculously good. She was extremely believable. I just, I thought she really pulled it off. Like... Such a fantastic job. Anyway, I, I don't know if this movie will be for everyone. Um, it's definitely, you know, uh, uh, like I said, it's a coming-of-age story. It's a it's a disaffected youth story. It's definitely got some, you know, um, some kind of messages of, of the, the, the people that society kind of forgets. You know, the people that fall through the cracks and um, the people you don't really think about, you know. And um, shows you that these are real people, you know, these are real people with genuine, you know, lives and experiences that matter, you know, and feelings. The feelings were like paramount in this story. It was like the emotions were the centerpiece, 
I just thought it was, I thought it was a really good film. And I'm, I'm surprised I hadn't watched it earlier because, you know, usually when I come across a Shia LaBeouf film, uh, I watch it. Uh, but I'm really glad that I finally sat down and watched this one. Like I said, it's three hours, um, but to me, it flew by. I highly recommend it. Anyway, this is the end of the podcast slash video. If you enjoyed this review, I have many on the channel like it, but it's not all that I do here. What I do on this channel is each day I pick a random topic, and it's usually entertainment or you know, pop culture related, but every once in a while it delves into other stuff, you know, politics, um, very rare, very rarely politics. Um, but you know, sometimes it's just, uh, stuff that's going on right in society. Sometimes it's just my, my take on, um, whatever news story came out that day. And, uh, sometimes it's just stories from my, my own wild youth. Um, so if you're into that sort of thing, if you'd like to get something new every day in your feed, that's what I try to do here. I try to put out something every single day. I'm not perfect, but I definitely make a good go of it. Um, if you can vibe with that, then please subscribe to the channel. If you like this video or podcast, please like it. Um, and if you decide to stick around, if you if you subscribe to the YouTube channel or favorite or follow the podcast, then I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Later. Yeah, you read that right. Lee Child is done writing Jack Reacher novels. Now, some of you may be thinking, this, this news is pretty old. And it is. Um, I didn't know it was official. Honestly, uh, this news came out back in January, I think. Maybe February. Um, but no one has talked about it here on YouTube or on any podcasts that I've seen. So, I figured it was fair game to talk about. Um, I, apparently, not a lot of people caught this news. Now, if you're a huge Reacher fan, as I am, and Lee, Ch Lee Child fan, as I am, um, this comes as a blow. This is sad to hear. Um, this is a character that, that we've grown to love, you know, over 25 books and several novellas and short stories and even movies if you enjoyed those. But it, it's not entirely bad news because... While Lee is going to stop writing the books, he is handing off the reins to his brother, writing under the name of Andrew Child, which he just co-authored his last book with. So the latest Reacher novel, book number 25, he, he wrote along with his brother, Andrew Child. And these are, these are pseudonyms. These aren't their actual names. Um... <laughs> Even Lee Child, that's not his real name. Uh, and his brother is writing under Andrew Child. Uh, his real name is Andrew Grant. But, I guess the idea here is that they're going to co-author the next couple of books, and then Lee will hand it off to his brother 
to take the character wherever he wants to take the character going forward. So I'm just going to dig into this article from January 2020. It says, Jack Reacher series author Lee Child quits and lets his brother step in. This is by Kevin Rawlinson. It's uh, The Guardian. The author of the Jack Reacher series of novels is retiring and handing over the writing duties to his brother, according to a report. Lee Child says he's been searching for a way to kill off the title character, portrayed by Tom Cruise for years, but has ultimately decided his fans deserve to see him live on in books, which will now be written by Andrew Grant. But Child, who was born James Grant, has reportedly set out a condition for his brother. He, too, must change his surname to Child. Uh, and this is a quote from him. For years, I thought about different ways of killing Reacher off. First of all, I thought he would go out in a blaze of bullets, something like the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It would take an army to bring him down. But Reacher had to have an afterlife after I was done. Uh, it says, Grant is, is an established author in his own right. It's not as if I twisted his arm into doing it, and he didn't twist mine either. It just happened. It feels like a natural development. My brother is a good writer. Now he has a hero, Child said. He added, Readers don't need to know about me or whoever writes the books. They only really care about Reacher. And I know how he's now in safe hands. And then it goes on to say, um, Child has sold more than 100 million books since embarking on a career, career as a novelist relatively late in life at 40. Jack Reacher has been turned into a film is also reportedly being made into a series for Amazon Prime. So. I'm... I'm upset to, to be seeing, you know, to, to see Lee leaving. But I understand. I, he's getting older. He's been writing these books for over 20 years. Uh, and like they said in the article, he didn't start writing them until he was 40. So, look, I'm, I'm going to try and look at the possible bright side of this, right? Reacher, the character, is established. Lee crafted him over years of meticulous, wonderful writing, and it would be sacrilege to alter the character in any major way. So I think it's safe to say that Reacher will always be Reacher. And that is thanks to Lee Child, who concocted him from his own imagination. I'm going to try to stay positive. Because in all honesty... The last few books have not been my favorite, you know, I, maybe with another author breathing new life into the book, you know, bringing his own ideas to fruition, I'll start enjoying the stories, you know, a, a, as much as I used to. Also, I feel like it's better than killing the character off. I mean, that that's the only other option. And, and that would mean no more Reacher stories. You know, that what we've got now is all there is and all there ever will be. And that's sad. That's a sad prospect.
I want this character to live on. And I think... I, th I think Lee's going to have an active role in at least monitoring what's being done. Um, I read another article that was talking about other authors who have done this sort of thing, who have handed off, you know, beloved characters to someone else because they're just such a big character that, that there's just many more stories to write with them and, and, you know, to please the fans and also to, you know, make a buck. They're going to keep the character alive and, and kicking. Um, I guess James Patterson has done this, um, and several other authors have done it, have handed off their characters or their series of books to, to another writer. And, I don't know, it's, it's interesting, but it works. I mean, it's been done. This is not a, a new idea. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to trust Lee's judgment, right? And at least... In this case, you know, he's handing it off to his brother. It's not like he's just handing it off to some young writer to just take over. And this is his younger brother, and Lee's described him as like, you know, he's young and hungry and full of ideas. Like, he, I think he's going to do, I, I hope that he's going to do our beloved character justice, right? And I think if Lee is willing to trust someone with his character that he and, and all of the Reacher fans love so much, I think that's saying something. And I think we should trust him with that decision. And that we owe the, you know at least a chance to his brother. Or anyone else who he decides is worthy of his character. I mean, ultimately, this is Lee's character. This is his baby. And so, if he's going to trust someone with it, maybe we should give him a chance, too. Um, I'm happy to see that he's not killing Reacher off. And I'm interested. I'm um, cautiously optimistic about the kind of stories we're going to get going forward. I, I, I wasn't in love with the last story that he co-wrote with his brother. and But that's, that's not saying a lot. Because... That the reins have not yet been handed over, so it's hard to say what it's going to be like when when Lee is no longer um, writing the stories. Now I've seen, I've seen uh, in that article I read where authors had handed off their characters to people. Sometimes they have a very active role still. Like they'll write a fifty-page kind of basic outline to a story, and then hand that over to someone else. And then that person will write their version of that story. And then the, the original writer will still get, like, editing in the end. Like, all the editing rights. Like, he'll go through and, and change things he wants changed. And I don't think it's going to be like that. I, I think he's trusting his brother to, to fully write Reacher. Um, and, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try and remain optimistic about it because I... I guess I just don't want to imagine a world where I don't like Jack Reacher novels. You know, that that would be terrible. Um, so so I'm, I'm going to hold out hope. And like I said, we're going to get, I think, one or two more books that are co-authored by Lee and his brother. Um, and then, then he'll fully hand over the reins. Now, 
I don't know. I, I'm more curious to see how Andrew does on his own than I am to see them co-author books, honestly. Um, but as much Lee Child as we can get before he fully retires is okay by me. So I, I'd love to hear what you guys think. I know uh, Reacher fans like me are very passionate fans, um, very passionate about this character and about these stories. And I, I want to hear your guys' take on it. So let me know. Let me know in the comments below. Um, if you're listening to this in podcast form, just shoot me a message at uh, at Real Brett Scott on, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, but most likely, you're watching this on YouTube. Leave me a comment below. Let me know what you think of this. Um, did you already know about this? Am I just super late to the game? Uh, like I said, I had heard about it before, but I thought it was fan speculation because of the the co-authoring of the, of the last book. I thought people were speculating that, oh, he's going to hand it off. He's going to hand it off to someone else. Um, but in fact, they were they were speaking from some sort of knowledge. They probably read an article similar to this at some point. So I don't know, but I, I'm curious if you guys are, are holding out hope as well. Are you optimistic? Are you cautiously optimistic? Or do you just hate this idea? Or are you going to stop reading Reacher now? Um, let me know. And if you enjoy videos or podcasts like this, here's what I do on this channel. I pick a subject or a topic once a day, something that I'm interested in, and I talk about it. And it's usually entertainment or pop culture related, but it's from my own personality. It's, it's the stuff that I enjoy, the stuff that I like talking about. Um, you know, most of the time it's pop culture and entertainment, but every once in a while it delves into politics or life stories or, um, Man, just random thoughts. Uh, but if you're interested in that, if, if you can vibe with something like that, and you'd like to get something new in your feed, I try to do it every day. Now, I'm not perfect, but I try to do at least one topic every day. It's why I call it Daily BS. And if you if you dig that, if you want a random topic in your feed every day, please subscribe to the channel or favorite or follow the podcast. And uh, if you do, if you decide to stick around, thank you very much. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Later.